Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. You can hear us everywhere. We also want you to make sure that you check out every Sunday morning from 11 right until kickoff Eastern time on over 100 stations across America. It's one event weekend edition with me, your host, Tom Barton, going over everything right up until kickoff, including things like injuries and weather. Yeah, this week, that's what we're getting into. We have a lot of weather issues going on that may be, well, that may cause us all to sit back and say, oh, wow, okay. Where, 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 can we get our Christmas shopping done? Well, is it about that time? Is it about time to kind of start talking about it? Yeah, it is supposed to be a lot of snow uh, up in Buffalo over the course of the weekend. Now, here's the thing. How much will that really affect the gameplay and the game day? Um, yeah, we're not sure, right? I mean, we, we, we don't really know quite yet. I'm recording this, like I said, in the middle of the week. The Buffalo game is what everyone's talking about. The Buffalo game is what everyone's thinking about. That is the game that we will start with just because of uh, the, the situation. We'll go back into the Thursday night game, but because of the weather situation. I think that this is going to be an overblown kind of spot. I have said it before, and I'll say it again. I have spoken to coaches, players, receivers, quarterbacks, oh, everybody in my history of my broadcasting career, and each one of them have said, basically to a man, that snow really doesn't bother you. It's not the snow that's the issue because the snow, the receiver actually has the benefit. They know where they're going. They know where their cuts are. Snow usually isn't the problem. It's obviously the wind, which we talk about all the time. But the visual of seeing snow being dumped onto the field certainly gets sports bettors a little bit nervous, certainly gets sports bettors into a position where they get uh, a little upset, and you can see people pounding the under. Well, this game opened up already at 46. It's down to 44 and a half, um, and I'm starting to see some books go down to under 44. If you like the over here and you're a contrarian player, and you think that the Bills and Josh Allen are going to be okay throwing it downfield, and you think the Browns and Nick Chubb are going to be running it all day, If you like that, wait. Because the visual of watching the snow being dumped onto the field and watching what Buffalo is going through over the weekend, that visual will drive this down. But I will warn you, don't wait too long because there's not necessarily supposed to be a lot of snow 
on Sunday. And this is what we're talking about. You would pull up any article on Google all week. Go look at anything that says NFL weather. It's going to be the number one story. Okay, it's going to be the number one story that we look at. It's going to go, oh, wow, here we go. We're in the middle of the week, and I'm recording this, uh, okay, on Thursday, right? We're in the middle of the week. It's, it's saying there is a potential, remember that word, potential of multiple feet of snow from tonight, Thursday night, through Sunday night, okay? Now, the snow is no big deal. We don't worry about it. I know it was up to as much as 47 in some spots. Guys, this will get down to 42, assuredly, once you start seeing the snow on Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. Uh, absolutely. But when I talk about snow, I'm not overly worried about snow. We remember games where snow was a major problem. Okay, there is snow, and certainly it becomes an issue at some points. You can all remember whiteout type of games where the snow is dumping on the field, actually, as players are playing. Yeah, we've seen that, and we've seen snow affect that, of course. But we've also watched games, remember Brady to Moss in a complete whiteout, just uh, rolling up 40-plus points. Why? Because they knew where they were going. It does work both ways. But guys, I mentioned at the top, it's the wind. NFL Insights. Okay, who does the weather, their weather data. They're predicting 20-plus mile-per-hour winds. That is a problem. The winds with the snow. Now, again, the forecast that we're going on is a couple of days out. This could all dump onto the field uh, between, well, dump onto the city of Buffalo between Thursday night and Saturday, clear up Saturday, shovel it all out, get the good drainage in. The winds go down from 20 miles per hour down to a, a, a manageable 13 or so, and nobody cares and no, no big deal. I mean, that is very, very possible. And maybe you waited too long if you like the over. But wait when you start to see the visual. Wait till you start to see uh, what it all is going on. Wait until you can kind of start to anticipate where the public is going to go. Now, if you're an under better, okay, and you really do like the under, and you think that weather is going to impact this game, and you think that weather is going to be a, a deciding factor in this game, yeah, you probably want to jump on it rel relatively quickly. Or... You wait until the last day and you just hope that, you know what, it's not as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. That's how you attack this game. As far as the spread goes, it opened up at 9. It's down to 8.5 or so. Uh, I've seen this go all the way from 6 to 6.5 is where it opened up because they weren't sure about Josh Allen and everything else, all the way up to where it currently sits at 8.5 or 9. And people are really starting to go by the theory, and I've asked people around town uh, around the theory of, well, Josh Allen doesn't lose two home games in a row. And you're right. Listen, I get it. But this is a different Josh Allen, isn't it? I mean, Josh Allen has certainly not looked good recently. Well, again, not look good on Josh Allen's standards. You can't turn around and say Josh Allen looks bad, <laughs> right? And he's going to get the questionable tag this week because of the elbow. Um, Sean McDermott had already said that he's going to be limited in practice because of the elbow uh, you know, he came out of the game against the Vikings. They said he came out in a good spot in terms of the elbow injury, and there was no real problems. But look, Josh Allen had gone during this course of the season, 26-31 for 297, 26-38 for 317, 42-63 for 400. Uh, he had a bad game against Baltimore for 213, right? Then 20-31 of 31 for 424, 27-40 for 329. And now... 
it was said he got the injury in the Green Bay game, uh, but a lot of people said the Jet game. Well, here's what Josh Allen did in those two games. 13 to 25 for 218, 18 to 34 for 205. Two interceptions in that game, two interceptions in the Jet game, and last week two interceptions. Look, he threw for 330 last week. And he looked good, okay? But he threw for 330, but he had one touchdown and he had two interceptions. I've watched Josh Allen since he's come into the league. I watched Josh Allen before he came into the league. I would say he's easily my favorite player that is not wearing a Chicago Bears uniform, right? Um, I have watched every snap of his entire career. I can tell you he didn't look right. Yeah, the 330 looks good and 85 yards rushing, that looks great. But I can tell you he didn't look right. Something wasn't right with Josh Allen. Now, I'm not saying that that, that means to go and, and take Cleveland here, but I think it's a lot of points in a windy condition game where a guy with a bulky elbow that didn't look right last game should be laying. Cleveland, by the way, they scored the NFL's 10th most points. They're a lot better offensively than people think, but their defense is actually allowing the second most points in the league. Their defense is not exactly great. So you start to look at what the Bills can be against this team. You get it very excited. I do worry about the Josh Allen elbow factor. And, And it's not just that he won't play well because of the elbow. I'm thinking of this more of lungs along the lines of, well, what if if he does go out? What if he leaves the game? You know, I that you're going to be laying, you feel good laying more than eight and a half or, or at eight and a half with Josh Allen, who potentially might not finish the game? I certainly don't. All right, let's go to Thursday night football. The Packers are about a three-point favorite here. The over-under sitting at 41 and a half to 42 Look, Green Bay looked good last week. They finally snapped that five-game losing streak, but it took some time. I mean, the Green Bay Packers still didn't look like the Green Bay Packers, but offensively, they certainly looked a lot better than they did, right? I mean, they certainly looked a lot better. Rodgers, he gets the cold. It's going to be into the low 30s there. It's going to be another nasty Thursday night, cold, freezing game. Rodgers is 10-1 and in his last 11 starts, where it's 35 degrees or under, right? They also beat the Cowboys last year in Week 10. The one problem um, that, that you really encounter here when you're talking about the Packers and their game plan and everything that, that's going on is that they, they just can't stop the run. First of all, their defense overall isn't good, but they certainly can't stop the run. Henry is second in the NFL in rushing. Henry has looked fantastic. Now, last week, look, Henry has rushed for 100 yards in five of the last six weeks, but last week he was held to 53 yards. Denver's defense might be the number one defense in the NFL. It's very possible that they are the best defense in the NFL. And they stacked the box against Derrick Henry. They absolutely said Derrick Henry will not beat us. I mean, that's just simply what they did. Green Bay has tried that this year. Green Bay has attempted to stop the run against teams and has failed miserably. Really, they have failed miserably. The Packers are just one of seven teams in the league. They're surrendering more than 140 yards per game on the ground. That, that They are the seventh in the top seven worst rush defenses against in the entire league. That is a problem for the Green Bay Packers because Derrick Henry is really hitting that next level. And you could start to look at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, and I talked about Malik Willis, and I've made a lot of money on the Titans over the last couple of weeks. The Titans are rolling right now. Uh, Malik Willis 
is a threat, but Ryan Tannehill is able to capitalize when they stack the box. Look, his entire career, really, even going back to Miami days, was a run-first offense. Specifically, though, with Derrick Henry, and this is a team and a quarterback that, oh, by the way, averages 10 wins a year over the last three years. They had the number one overall seed in the AFC last year with Josh Allen and the Bills and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in that division, right? So let's not think that the Titans are some fluky team. No, they're finally starting to get it right. They lost Harold Landry before the year. Well, their defense is starting to get it right, and their defense has looked really good lately. This is a tough spot to handicap because all of the X's and O's say that the Tennessee Titans are the better team here. The Tennessee Titans should run with efficiency. I think Derrick Henry, by the way, the over-under for Derrick Henry is 97 yards. I absolutely love the over there. Derrick Henry to score a touchdown is like minus like 260. I don't care. I kind of like that too. Derrick Henry is going to get his yards. The thing is, is that can the Green Bay Packers effectively make Ryan Tannehill either make mistakes or come up short in third down situations for them to be able to win? So you're looking at this as an X's and O's type of situation where we look at this and we say, yeah, at the end of the day, the Tennessee Titans are probably the better team. But the cold weather, being at Lambeau, and the question of did Rodgers and the Packers, did they find something? Right? Did they turn this thing around on their on themselves and say, yeah, we found that formula to win, or was it a one-off? Remember, the Dallas Cowboys defense is fantastic. We love them. That's great. The Bears scored 30 on them, right? Or, or nearly 30 on them. I mean, I, they're, they're a defense that is very good, but we've watched them have giant lapses this year. So now you come in and you think, well, is this Green Bay team for real? I think that this, this game is... So important for Green Bay. They are at home. It is national TV, sure. If they lose this game, they're right back to, okay, you barely won. You had to go into overtime to kind of correct your season and and try to save your season. If they lose this game, their season might be over. I mean, and they have to know that, right? I mean, they have to know that. If they win this game, suddenly they're back into this thing. Now they get extra time to get ready for next week because of the Thursday game for the Sunday. And all of a sudden, things are going okay in Packerland, and you kind of righted the ship. And they know that. As far as Tennessee goes, this isn't a devastating loss. No one's running away with that division. The Colts, I know they just won, but they're, they're a mess. They switched their quarterbacks. Uh, they switched their head coach as well. Houston's absolutely no threat. And the Jaguars are a good team, but they just can't seem to get the win. So, I mean, for Tennessee, is this a must win? Can you lose a game on prime time to Aaron Rodgers? In a game that you're underdogs, yeah, you can, and you can still be perfectly okay. So mindset-wise, Green Bay is here. Look, I think that Derrick Henry has a big game. And if I'm betting this game, I'm going on Derrick Henry to have a big game. But I don't know if the Tennessee Titans are going to have enough outside of Derrick Henry to win. I lean the Titans. There's no way I'm laying three points with what I've watched from the Packers over the course of the season. And I need more than one sort of fluky game against the Dallas Cowboys to make me believe that Aaron Rodgers is perfectly okay. Make me believe that this offense is perfectly okay. I think Tennessee is going to be a good defensive team. I think there's there's a reason why this number is 41 and a half. Lots of running, lots of defense, cold night, close game. I like the points in close games like that. Let's go to the Bears team, which I did mention. The Bears take on the Falcons. Falcons are three-point favorites to the total. Opened up at 48.5. It's now up to 50.5, and, and for good reason, right? I mean, the Bears offensively are just absolutely fantastic. And let's just absolutely gush about Justin Fields right now. 
Over the past two weeks, Justin Fields has two top eight single game quarterback rushing performance in NFL history. That, that, let me repeat that. Over the last two weeks, back to back weeks, Justin Fields has two of the top eight all time. 178 yards on the ground in week nine, 147 yards on the ground in week 10. And it's just unbelievable. In week nine, he set all kinds of records. NFL history with two or more rushing touchdowns, two or more passing touchdowns, 100 or more rushing yards in the same game. He is becoming what we watched in Lamar Jackson. I know people are talking about him as being Michael Vick-like. Yeah, maybe it's Michael Vick, but it, it can be effectively Lamar Jackson because Justin Fields is throwing the ball, right? I mean, he, he just absolutely is. Over the last two weeks, he has 290 passing yards, 29 completions, 325 rushing yards, and 28 carries. I mean, the guy is doing everything. Now, the Bears did lose Khalil Herbert, which I think certainly hurts them. They were running a good three-headed rushing attack with Montgomery, Herbert, and Fields. Now Herbert's out. That is a bang on them that, that, that you can't overlook. But I like the ascension of a guy like Cole Komet, who now has three touchdowns in two weeks. I like what the Bears have done. Look, going back to that New England game, about a month ago, where they beat New England on Monday Night Football and they found some formula. They have now scored 29 or more points in the last four games. They are scoring a lot of points. Now, they're giving up a ton of points as well, sure, but they're scoring a ton of points. I have been banging on their over and absolutely hitting their over time and time and week and week and week and week again, right? This is what I love to do. I love to crush their over. The team total over this week is only 24 and a half or 25 now that the line's gone over. It's probably getting close to 26, and it doesn't matter. Look, they're going to score close to 30 points. The Falcons, eh, they're not a good defensive team, right? I mean, they're just not. Atlanta has uh, allowed 400 yards per game this season. That's the second worst in the NFL. Only the Lions are worse, right? And, and look at what, what Fields just absolutely crushed them, right? I mean, that's that's something that you look at. You go back and you look at Atlanta. They're also surrendering the third most rushing touchdowns. But they do run the ball. They are a top five running team in the NFL. The Bears have problems stopping the run. Look, the Bears got rid of, rid of two of their best defensive players. Their two best defensive players in Quinn and Roquan Smith. I mean, there's just no way around it. And they have been run on. You know, even against, uh, you know, New England. New England had some running room there, and now all these other games. The Lions ran on them. DeAndre Swift, who can't get like 10 yards rushing, rushed for a touchdown. So you're watching two teams that just absolutely can't play defense. We we know that. The Atlanta Falcons defensively just get crushed at what we're talking about here. They 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 This is a defensive team, guys, in Atlanta that cannot stop what the Bears are doing. They just simply cannot stop what the Bears are really good at and what the Bears are doing, which is running the football. Atlanta, meanwhile, will run the ball effectively. Atlanta will turn around and run the ball effectively with, with um, that team against this, this porous Bears defense. I lean the Chicago Bears. I lean the Bears because throughout most of the season, even against Green Bay and primetime and all that, throughout most of the season, the Bears have played very, very close, very, very tough games. But I have a hard time banking on the Bears because of things like we saw with the Lions last week. They are just a really bad defensive team. Now, I do like the over. I like the over when it was at 48 and a half, and I grabbed it at 48 and a half. I like the over sitting here at 50 and a half. I still like that, right? I mean, I like what I, I'm going about this and, and talking about how I see the game playing out. But I don't know I could solidly go on the Bears here in this case. 
If this gets up to 5152 levels, I might get a little nervous only because Atlanta has no ability to come back. So if the Bears do start running all over them and Justin Fields does start getting things going, well, what is going to happen? Atlanta is going to be a one-dimensional offense and even this terrible Bears team that has a, uh, you know, basically backups to backups playing against the run up front well, even this Bears team can sell out, put eight in the box, and then you're asking Mariota to kind of stop them here. I think that we do have an over. I do lean the Bears, but I think it's going to be a fun, interesting game. The Bears are a fun watch right now, and Atlanta's been pretty fun all year behind Mariota. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do, we're going to get into the rest of the games. I know I concentrated on the weather games, but the weather is kind of what we're all concentrating on this week or going into the week. So let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this right here on Wagering Week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. What are the odds? What are the odds? We're talking about Justin Fields. Well, the projected odds of his rushing total is supposed to be 75 this week. Now, last week, Caesar Sportsbook officially put out that Justin Fields, over for rushing yards, had the most tickets and the most money of any player prop taken on Sunday. It was set at 64.5. I know other sports books had 68.5. He absolutely crushed it. So they're moving it, they're adjusting it, and it's looking like it's going to be close to 75 rushing yards this week. That is, what are the odds? Just to give you a quick... uh, a quick little view of Justin Fields. If you're talking about 75 yards, and 75 yards is pretty large, right? I mean, 75 yards is a lot. Well, 147 last week, 178 the week before that. He only had 60 against Dallas, 82 before that, and 88 before that. I, I mean, what number can the sports books actually put out there uh, to make us stop and, and take the under? I mean, what what who's taking it? It's a quarterback. Can you can you put up an eighty line? Can you put up? I, I mean, you can't put up a Derek Henry ninety seven, but you almost want to, especially against Atlanta. All right, back to the games, and we go back to the Cowboys and Vikings game. Talking about the Cowboys a little while ago. Go back to that, and look, Cowboys they're giving about two points here, and or they're getting about two points here, and it's it's negligible. I've watched this down to go down to one one and a half. Basically, who do you think is going to win this game? And the Vikings are at home. The Vikings are sitting with a pristine record. They have tied now with the Philadelphia Eagles as the best record in the league. 48 is the total. The Vikings are an interesting team because I think you everybody is looking at the Minnesota Vikings and what they're looking at with the Vikings are, I don't believe. I'm not fully buying into this team. 
and it's because of how they win. Most of their wins this year, I think all except for two actually wins this year, they have trailed in the fourth quarter. And that could speak to resiliency. That could speak to, oh, you know what? This is the kind of team that never says die and all that coach speak. But the reality is, is that they're a bounce or two away from being more of close to a 500 team as opposed to a one loss team. The Vikings have won by eight points or less over seven straight games now. Seven straight wins, but eight points or less. It's a one-score game. I and mean, that's what it is. Look, if you put uh, the Vikings in a teaser, or the team that's playing the Vikings in a teaser every single week, you're going to make money, right? I mean, that's just reality here. Now here comes the Cowboys, and the Cowboys, their defense, as good as it is, and as much as I've spoken about how good it is, they do have an Achilles heel. And the Achilles heel is very simply, they give up the fourth most rushing yards in the league at 143 yards per game. You can run on this team. Now, Michael Parsons might win Defensive Player of the Year. We've given those numbers over the course of the last couple of weeks. And Michael Parsons is really good at disrupting things, especially from a, a passing standpoint. But defensively, you can run on this team. And here comes Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook looked really good last week. He He's going to have to be the guy here. And I know Justin Jefferson got all of the headlines. But the Cowboys, they're giving up the fourth fewest passing yards in the NFL on the year. And it's not like they're blowing people out so everything's running the ball. No, not at all. The Cowboys, they have gone over in four of the last five road games. That's something to pay attention to as well. You look at this Vikings team, and their formula to win is play it close, stay close, run the ball here with Dalvin Cook. But I think that the X factor of you are going to have to need plays to be made by Kirk Cousins is going to be one of those things that is the deciding factor for people. Do you like this game or do you not like the game? I, I think it's a coin flip. I don't think you go anywhere near this. Both of these teams are destined for the playoffs. Both of these teams have a legitimate shot in a weak NFC to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't think that it's crazy to think either one of those things can certainly happen. But I don't have any confidence in the Vikings being able to control this game completely because they haven't controlled a game completely yet. And I don't have any confidence in Dallas going on the road in this spot and being able to stop Dalvin Cook, who is a really good running back. And this is overall a really good running team. Let's talk about running teams. Jets, Patriots. Patriots are a three-point favorite at home. 38 is the total. It's supposed to be cold up in New England in the Boston area. New York, though, 5-1 and one against the spread the last six games. The Patriots, they, they have one thing that they do, and they do really well. They stop young quarterbacks. They play well at home. They play good defense, right? I mean, one thing really one thing is that they beat the New York Jets. Let's be honest. The New England Patriots now won 13 straight games against the Jets. Week 8, Zach Wilson threw three interceptions. People were calling for his head. New York Jet fans said, hey, it's time to go look at somebody else. Maybe Joe Flacco's the answer. Well, maybe Mike White now is the answer. Wilson looks absolutely terrible, and Bill Belichick absolutely knows it. The Patriots won five straight overall against the Jets, 13 straight in the series. You know, go, Going back, you, you look at this, uh, five straight at home, I should say, you look at this and you just go, wow. Uh, you, you look at how Belichick just destroys, destroys young quarterbacks. Since the start of 2001, Belichick is 53-5 and five in home games where the other team is starting a first or second year quarterback. That's unbelievable. Wilson's 0-3 against the Patriots. He's got seven interceptions and a quarterback rating of 50. There's no other way to look at this. I know Ramondre Stevenson 
it has been the guy. But now you have Harris coming back. The Harris-Stevenson combo has been fantastic. No one's making Mac Jones out to be this great quarterback. Mac Jones has to do just what he can do, which is just effectively keep them in the game and don't make mistakes and just let the defense win with the defensive running game. Belichick has a formula. And it is working effectively right now. I know so many guys are anti-Bill Belichick, and it's always fun to be against Bill Belichick and whatnot. Guys, look, at the end of the day, here's the reality. The reality is Bill Belichick lost Tom Brady, but not only that, he lost a ton of talent on that team. He's a game over 500. He's going up against a Jets team here, which could send him to 6-4. and four. The New York Jets are 6-3 and three right now. People are talking about, can they win the division? Are they an, a, a serious AFC contender? The New England Patriots are 5-4. and four. No one's talking about them. If they go to 6-4, and four, send the Jets to 6-4, and four, all of a sudden, you really got to start paying attention to the New England Patriots. Now, just a little deep dive into the Patriots here. They have a real tough schedule coming up. So they got to win these kind of games, right? They have the Jets here. Then they go to Minnesota. We just talked about that. Minnesota could be a one-loss team going into that game. That's a tough road game for them. Then they take on Buffalo. Always a tough game. Then they go to Arizona, to Las Vegas, come home against Cincinnati and Miami. Two teams, look, one's a Super Bowl contender in the AFC or a Super Bowl uh, representative in the AFC and a contender in Miami and then at home against Buffalo. There's a scenario here where the New England Patriots Right now at 5-4, and win maybe two more games all year. But there's also a scenario where if you want to be on the bright side, look, you beat the Jets at 6-4. and Can you beat Minnesota? Look, it's a primetime game. Yeah, you can. That's 7-4. and Can you beat Buffalo at home? Probably not. Arizona? Yeah, Arizona's a mess, and that's another primetime game, 8-4. and Vegas is a mess, primetime game, 9-4. and yeah, you're looking at nine wins with three games to go. I, I've said all uh, all year, and I went back to the preseason with this, I said, I think 10 wins get you in. Can you beat Cincinnati or Miami at home? Maybe Buffalo doesn't care about that last game and they rest Josh Allen. I think New England certainly has an eye for the playoffs, and I think that they can certainly get there. Raiders, Broncos just talked about it. The Raiders are a mess. Broncos are giving them three points. Broncos, look, they are not pretty. It's not fun how they're getting it done. Uh, coming out of the break, I thought I was expecting a lot more from them, but it's a good against a good Tennessee team. What's weird about the Broncos is just this. Look, they have a great defense and a, an atrocious offense. It's not just my opinion here. They have given up the fewest points in the NFL defensively, and they've scored the fewest points in the NFL offensively. That's the first team to do that since 1946, right? I mean, it looks absolutely horrible on both sides of the, of, of the ball for the Raiders. Raiders, they have failed to cover their last three games. Josh McDaniels as head coach. In his first six games, he was 6-0. and Since then, he's 7-24. and He's not the answer. Raider fans are calling for his head. Derek Carr looks lost out there. There's no Hunter Renfro. There's no uh, Waller. Uh, there is no effective run game anymore. I mean, they were riding Jacobs, and it looked good. Then they just got out of that. It's basically Devontae Adams and everybody else. And I think Chandler Jones needs to be on a milk carton because you haven't seen him at all. The Raiders went out there with a philosophy defensively that if we just rush the passer, right? I mean, if, if we just get to the passer, we can make up for our defensive deficiencies in the back end on the defensive backs and the linebackers. And we have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. So we can certainly look back and we can say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to be able to take a, a stab here at, oh, wait wait a minute, oh, these two guys just get to the quarterback all the time. And that's okay. 
We, we could take a stab at that kind of defensive philosophy. Just get after the quarterback 100% and don't worry about anything else. Well, they haven't gotten to the quarterback. Two weeks ago, the quarterback wasn't touched. When I say he wasn't touched, I mean wasn't touched. And, and, you know, you look at something like that and you go, that's a problem when you are paying how much these guys are paying. And, and that's really a problem for this Raiders team. The, the thing is, is that I don't think it matters if anybody's rushing Russell Wilson or not. Russell Wilson has looked terrible. This offense has looked terrible. Now Jerry Judy, it looks like he's going to be out of this game. So you're even taking away more offensive weapons from an inept offense. This has underwritten all over it, but you'd love to say that, except for the Raiders' defense has been really bad. The number is right on target. It should be 41, 41 and a half. It, I expect a low-scoring, tight game. Why go anywhere near this? Just stay away from this game. The Eagles come in as just about a double-digit favorite. Look, this opened up at 10.5. I've seen it go down to anywhere between 9, 9.5 for this game against the Colts in Indianapolis. And all of a sudden, money is coming in on the Colts. People like the Colts. Look, the Eagles, they've now failed to cover two double-digit spreads in a row, right? They failed to cover double digits against Houston. They won that game by double digits, but they didn't cover. And then against Washington. Jeff Saturday, we know. Look, he's going to make his home debut. He won his first game. Jonathan Taylor was the man. He looked like he was back. Here we go. Uh, All of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor looks like he's going to be the guy again. Jonathan Taylor, usage in the first game, 94% snaps. That's the second high of his career. 86% 86% touches, 24-28, 22% ca- carries, that's the most since week one, 147 rushing yards, most since week one. The offensive line also had their second best run blocking grade, and they allowed only one sack. Guys, the Colts look like the Colts that we thought. I don't know if it's Jeff Saturday or if it was just the opponent, but man, they looked really good. Meanwhile, the Eagles come in, and you're watching a lot of people coming in on the Colts because nobody believed in the Eagles. Nobody bought into the Eagles, right? I mean, the Eagles, we spoke about it many times. They were a weak, 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 basically undefeated team. And now they go in and they have all of a sudden the running back problem. Another team that could get run on. The Eagles just allowed 144 rushing yards to the Steelers, 168 to Houston, and then 152 to Washington. Okay? This is the first time since 2006 they've allowed 140 more yards in three straight games. Uh, That is really a hard pill to swallow. They have five games coming up against the top 10 leading rushers, uh, including Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Taylor, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, all coming up on their schedule. The Eagles have got to get their run defense fixed. And we talk about how good these defenses are. I've mentioned about the, the Cowboys. I've mentioned about all these teams. You mentioned how good these defenses are. And then you turn around and you go, they can't stop the run. The Eagles can't stop the run. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor is fixed, and I don't know if Jeff Saturday is the miraculous uh, you know, head coach that comes in and fixes everything. What I do know is that they looked really good last week. What I do know is that they are still a very talented offensive line. Quentin Nelson, to me, one of the best players in the league coming into the year, and he's looked terrible. He's still got the talent there. Jonathan Taylor certainly has the talent. I think that the Eagles are in some trouble here. I mean, Look, I don't know if I could go out there and bet against this team because the defense of the Colts is a problem. Matt Ryan has shown his inability to kind of move the ball downfield past 20 yards. He doesn't have that, that deep game, which means the Eagles are going to be able to kind of just all capitalize on those short passes and the, absolutely on the running game. So I don't know if I could pick an outright win here, but man, this spread keeps going up. I, well, I, I don't know. 
I don't want to say that the Colts can win this game, but I can't sit back and tell you with any faith at all that I, I don't think that the Eagles could drop two in a row. And a lot of people that will go on the Eagles will go on that philosophy. Well, I don't think they're going to drop two in a row. Well, that's a problem. By the way, they're also on a short week to prepare for a head coach that they have no idea about. That's something to pay attention to as well. Browns, Bills. Look, this one opened up at six. It's up to nine. We talked about it. Look, uh, 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 that's that's a, a game that's moving as we speak. And I think that, look, I think that that might get, I don't think it gets to 10. I think that might get to nine and a half. Panthers, Ravens. Ravens 12, 12 and a half point spread, 44 is the total. It's the largest spread of the week. Ravens coming off of a bye week. Uh, we have spoken about Harbaugh with time. Look, the Panthers have some good things going. Foreman is running the ball effectively, and he was supposed to split time with Hubbard. Man, Hubbard came back and didn't matter. It was the Foreman show all day long. Now, he didn't get a lot of running room, but he is that kind of bruising back. He's got that kind of Derrick Henry light type of back that just absolutely pound you into submission, and that's exactly what I expect here in this spot as well. Deontay Foreman's going to run the ball effectively. As good as the Ravens are, they've had problems against the run, like we've mentioned a lot of good defenses have, but they do have Roquan Smith, and not only do they have Roquan Smith, but they have Roquan Smith now with some time under his wing, right? With some time to kind of get ready for this team. The Panthers, though, you can run the ball all day effectively. The Panthers are going to play some good defense. Jeremy Chin should be back this week. Brian Burns has been fantastic. He's been all, all everything for this team, but the reality is, is that Baker Mayfield's going to come back because Walker's injured. But again, did it matter? When when Maker, Baker Mayfield went down, I said, I don't know if it matters. And guess what? I still don't know if it matters. I really don't. Mayfield comes back. What we do know is he's limited. And now you have the Ravens starting to get healthy. Gus Edwards is supposed to be back for this game. Mark Andrews is supposed to be back for this game. Lamar has a, another week to kind of get ready and prepared. If there is a game on the schedule where the Baltimore Ravens want to kind of say, hey, we're back. And we're not only just back, we're looking for real championship-level play. This is the game. This is the game of the Ravens turn around, and they look at their opponent, and they say, we should squash you, and we will. I don't like laying double digits. And I certainly don't like laying double digits with a run-first team like the Ravens. But if there is a spot, this could be it. It wouldn't shock me to see a 24 nothing type of game just because of who the Panthers are. And when they get behind, you can't bet on Baker Mayfield to come back in any way, shape, or form. So this is one of those games where you start to look at the Ravens and you start to think, okay, the Ravens could really, really, really uh, flex their muscles in this game. Speaking of flexing their muscles in this game, let's take a look at the Ravens overall, right? You look at the Ravens overall. They've now won three straight games for the last five, but their upcoming opponents, this is a weak schedule for them. They're 6-3 and three right now, and this is one of the reasons why Right after the Super Bowl, I told you guys I like the Ravens at 25-1 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl because I knew their schedule would give them probably the division, which I took them to for the division also. But more than likely, they would be in competition for the number one overall seed. And it's this stretch of the schedule that we're in the middle of. They are 6-3 and three right now. Coming off a of bye week, they have Carolina. Look, it's the highest spread on the, on the board. I don't think it's crazy for me to say 7-3. and three. Jacksonville, they will be favored there, 8-3. and three. Denver at home, they will be favored there, 9-3. and three. Then they got to go at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, okay? Let's say they drop one of them. That's still 10 wins. Atlanta at home, that's 11 wins. Pittsburgh at home, that's probably 12 wins. And then you get Cincinnati at the end. This is a team that if they stumble, guys, they're an 11-win team this year. If they stumble, they could 
really go on a run here where they maybe lose one more game for the rest of the year. It's not inconceivable that that happens, that the the Baltimore Ravens have kind of found themselves. And, oh, by the way, I mentioned Gus Edwards coming back. Yeah, Gus Edwards is going to be back. Kenyon Drake has looked really good. Mark Andrews is coming back. Roquan Smith is now in the fold. But you're also going to get J.K. Dobbins back. I know, again, people forget these guys that go on the injured reserve, especially somebody like Dobbins that missed last year. They're supposed to get him back for that stretch run. He's supposed to be coming back for week 13, maybe week 12 against Jacksonville next week, but probably week 13 against Denver. Let's say he doesn't get back until Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Those are cold-weather cities, cold-weather games. You're going to want a running back combination. Pittsburgh, you can run on. They play them twice. Atlanta's run defense, we just talked about, fourth worst in the league. Cleveland's run defense, top 10 worst in the league. Cincinnati, you could run on. All of a sudden, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, this Ravens team is going to take off, and it starts this week. Again, I know I'm talking about the future, so let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. I mentioned the Ravens and how good their schedule looks. Well, look, you can go back to week one, Their playoff odds were minus 165. You go all the way to week four, it went up to minus 280. Week seven, it was minus 550, and now it's sitting at minus 1,800 to make the playoffs. Well, what about the Super Bowl? Well, they opened up at, like I said, about 20 to 25 to 1 odds, depending on where you were shopping. In week four, it was 18 to 1. Week six, it went up to 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, but now it's down to 14 to 1. And that is bet to the future. Well, we have one team looking at the Super Bowl and potential Super Bowl run. We have another team that was there last year. Doesn't look like they're going to get back. Let's talk about the Rams and Saints. And, you know, this is a a three-point spread. The total is 39. You can't make a a play on this game. I don't want to just breeze over games. But we're recording this show in the middle of the week. Matthew Stafford's still in concussion protocol, right? Cooper Cup out maybe for the year. And we don't know even about the Saints. They're talking about maybe going back to Jameis Winston. You can't do anything on this game until you know about Matthew Stafford. Can the Rams kind of save their season? Well, maybe, but the Cooper Cup thing is just devastating for them. They're saying Cooper Cup could come back in Week 15. Why would they bring him back if they're out of the playoffs? And we always hear about the Super Bowl hangover. And the Super Bowl hangover is certainly something that's real. The Super Bowl hangover is certainly something that we have seen multiple times. But it's usually not for the Super Bowl winner. Well, the Rams, they can blame all they want. They can blame injuries. They can blame problems. They can blame offense. They can blame defense. There's a lot of things they can blame. Overall, the Rams, just as a collective team, just simply have not gotten it done. I mean, that's just reality. They have not gotten it done this year. So I can't make a bet on this team, but I will not put it past Matthew Stafford to come back, look okay, and you know be able to kind of cover a line here that is relatively small. Commanders and Texans. Washington coming off of that short week, but man, they looked really good. And they have looked good defensively for a while, but they look really good against Philadelphia. And you can sit back and you could not believe in Philly, which I think a lot of us do, and most of us really do. You don't believe in the Philadelphia Eagles, but what Washington showed us really was impressive. You can't take that away from them. You look at what Washington did well, and they ran the ball effectively. Brian Robinson ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and then ran the ball some more. They ran the ball 44 times against the Eagles. That's not even including quarterback runs, which, oh, by the way, there's 14 yards on that average as well. 
but they averaged just 3.2 yards per carry. It was just a matter of getting the yards when they needed the yards. They were able to convert on third down. They were 12-21 on third down, and they ran the ball with effectiveness. Yeah, they ran it a lot, but they didn't really get the giant yards. They should not have a problem here. The Houston Texans are the dead last worst team against the rush in the NFL period. You can run all over them. I feel like I could probably get like, you know, 15 carries for like 80 yards. I mean, it is really, really a bad situation in Texans for the Texans when you sit back and you turn around exactly what they're doing badly, and that is they can't fix their run defense. They have managed, though, this year, the Texans, to lead just about every game, right? They, they've they led four times. They've been tied once. Or, or they've trailed by a touchdown four times. I mean, they're in every single game, which means after an emotional letdown, short week, on the road, I have a little bit of a problem going all in on Washington here. And I think that Washington is going to be one of those bet-heavily teams because you watched it. Everybody saw what Washington can do. Wow, they beat the Eagles. Now they go take on the lowly Texans. I mean, that's just the reality of what's going on. But I also have a hard time taking the hometown Texans, even if they keep things close, even though uh, the Texans are at home. No, I have a problem with that because Davis Mills has just regressed back to the point of, well, where we thought Davis Mills really was. He's got a lower completion percentage than he did last year. He's at 62%. He's got a worse passer rating than he did last year at 82%, 81.7. Third downs have been a major problem. He's converting 30% of third downs. They're 22nd in touchdown percentage in the red zone. That's terrible, okay? He's got one touchdown and six red zone zone trips last week. Davis Mills has really regressed. So you're going to get good running from Damian Pierce kind of week in and week out, but Davis Mills has regressed to a point where you cannot trust Houston even with points, even in this spot, even at home, even with Washington coming off of an emotional win where they will have a natural letdown. Lions, Giants, Giants are three and a half point favorites. Lions, look, they look dead in the water and up against a tough Bears team. They were able to pull it out. Lions have now won two games in a row. Coming off their bye week, they're starting to look good. And, you know, you lost TJ Hawkinson and they said, oh, well, what was what's going to be the issue? Well, they did get DeAndre Swift back. I know he hasn't been great, but they did get DeAndre Swift back. They also got St. Brown back and healthy, which is huge. Both New York and Tennessee, though, they are tied with against the spread of 7-3. and three. That's the best in the league. And you start to look at, uh, you know, who uh, this, this Giants team is. I think we know who they are. Look, they are a run first, run second, run third type of team. That is who they're, they're go- going to be. And it's not just with... Barkley, who is setting all kinds of records, and he's on pace to go for over 500 yards if the Giants make to the playoffs, or 500 carries, which is unheard of of somebody coming back from an injury like that. But it's also their quarterback, right? I mean, Daniel Jones can run the ball as well, and he's been running the ball effectively. You can run on the Lions. The Bears showed that last week, although the Bears run on everybody. The Bears showed that last week. And you start to really take a look at the Lions, and you go, they play close games. They've won two in a row. Can they go on the road here and get this win? They went on the road in division and got it last week. I think asking the Lions to win two straight road games in two spots where they are the underdogs is just asking too much. I feel like that's asking too much. They're coming off of a nice emotional win, and I think the Lions are a good, dangerous team. I don't like laying the three and a half with the Giants, who seem to play close games every single week, but I cannot sit back and tell you to take the Lions, even with the points, not in a spot like this. Bengals, Steelers, 
Bengals are five and a half point favorites. Now remember, Pittsburgh opened up the year with a 23-20 to win as a seven-point underdog against Cincinnati, and it was TJ Watt that created all kinds of havoc. We sat back in that game and said, wow, if the Bengals offensive line is this bad, it's going to be a long year. Well, now they don't have Jamar Chase. The Bengals offensive line is that bad. Joe Burrow's on pace to get sacked about 70 times this year. And now T.J. Watt returned last week. Pittsburgh as a home underdog. Here we go again. Mike Tomlin, since entering the league, is the fifth best all time as a home underdog getting points in this spot. And it's a lot of points in this spot. It reminds me a lot of opening day. And opening day, I had the Steelers. That was one of my biggest bets of the year. I love them on opening day. And I'm looking at the Steelers here, and I go, look, they have deficiencies, right? Pickett's maybe the guy, maybe not the guy. We don't know. Najee Harris looks like he's kind of coming around, but now they said he's a little bit banged up. They lost Claypool, but Pickens looks good. The Steelers have some stuff working. It's the T.J. Watt factor. Their defense looked fantastic last week. Their defense looked like they were back to being that kind of defense. The Bengals? Look, they're running the ball effectively, and that was really the thing that we spoke about when we did our preview in the preseason, I said, if the Bengals just don't say, hey, you know what? But we got Burrow, we got Chase, we got Higgins, we got Boyd. We're just going to throw it all over. And they they don't do that. And they effectively run the ball. I think the Bengals can be right back in the playoffs. But I didn't believe that this team was going to be able to do that. I didn't believe that Zach Taylor had the confidence to let his team do that. I, I always believed that Joe Mixon would be the secondary guy. In a spot like this, I think they have to run Joe Mixon. I like the Steelers with the points just because there's points here. I think the Steelers can win the game, but don't be surprised if the Bengals really show up. Remember, last year they had massive success against Pittsburgh in both of their games that they had last season. All right, let's go to a little Sunday night football. Chiefs, Chargers. Chiefs are 6.5-point favorites against the Chargers. Chargers played well against San Francisco. Chargers, despite missing Mike Williams, despite missing Keenan Allen, despite the fact that Everett was banged up, yeah, they played really well. The Chargers, though, are one of those teams that you look at and you go, they they, they are coming around, but how much, right? How much? The Chiefs have won the last five road games against the Chargers, so they, they play really well against this team. And it's hard to look at Patrick Mahomes in any spot and think that he's not going to perform. I think that performs he performs really well here. But there are some things to kind of look at. You look at the Chiefs, and they do have a pretty bad defense against the run. You could run on them. But can the Chargers? I know Eckler had a couple of good games running the ball, but he's not that between-the-tackles runner. Now, do you give it a spiller? Do you trust that? Or is this a case where, oh, Mike Williams comes back because he did practice this week, and we have to start throwing again? I think the Chargers could be their worst enemy here in this spot. And if the Chargers are their worst enemy in this spot, the Chiefs could roll. The Chiefs, though, do have problems, and it's the same problems that the Chiefs have had time and time again. I don't trust their running game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got zero snaps last week. It was a Pachenko, and it was McKinnon going back-to-back. I don't trust the Chiefs' running game at all, and I don't trust the the process of the Chiefs stopping the run. Uh, Chargers looked impressive against San Francisco. Maybe they found something. If Mike Williams comes out, I think this could be a closer game, but I I can't tell you to take the Chargers because the Chiefs' dominance in this division, the Chiefs' dominance on the road against the Chargers, and the Chiefs overall just looking like maybe the best team in the league. Let's go to those Niners. Monday night football, last game on the board. They're a 7.5-point favorite over the Cardinals. Arizona missing Kyler Murray last week. Still got a win against the Rams, and they needed that. Here's the thing. 
I don't care where it takes place. The Cardinals are just a bad team. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't cover. He's bad. We don't know if Murray's going to be back for this game. What I do know about the Niners is they're playing effectively and they're playing well. They're a dangerous, dangerous team. When McCaffrey has things going like he's had going, they are really dangerous. And then you had Kittle, and Debo hasn't even been involved. I still think that Kyle Shannon is trying to figure out how to run this offense. Eli Mitchell getting, what, 18 carries last week. All of a sudden, he has almost too many toys to play with, right? I mean, that's what I look at with Shanahan. It's a seven and a half point spread. Nobody can be taking Arizona here. San Francisco should win. They should dominate. I saw a recent poll that had San Francisco as the number fourth best team in the league. Now, I'm not getting that crazy, okay? But I certainly think in a wide open NFC, San Francisco can certainly dominate. But Kyle Shanahan is the type of coach, and we've seen this in a lot of different areas, a lot of different coaches, that gets inside of his own head. I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. But let's not go that far back to remembering you know, the, the old... Atlanta disgrace in the Super Bowl, right? The collapse, where all he had to do was basically run the clock. But he outthought himself. He wanted to be cute. He wanted to be overly smart and really, really, really hurt his team trying to do that. Well, I worry about that with Kyle Shanahan. In the grand scheme of things, I worry that Kyle Shanahan thinks too much about Kyle Shanahan. I worry that he looks at his team and he looks at the the offense and he goes, okay, I got McCaffrey, I got Debo, I got Ayuk. I got Jennings, I got Kittle, I got Mitchell. I can do so many things. And we saw some of it in against the Chargers in bad spots. Weird reverses and flip outs to wide receivers instead of just dropping back. Now, a lot of pundits will say, hey, you know what? That's because he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I get that, okay? And I, I can see that side of it. All right, he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. But the reality is, is when you look at the Niners— they just have a, a, a an allotment of riches that you don't need to do that, okay? And that is really the only reason you're taking the Cardinals here. Uh, you would be taking um, the Cardinals here. Is not only obviously the obvious is Kyler Murray, but even if Murray's back, is because Shanahan can outthink himself. When you go coaching to coaching, head to head, Shanahan and, and, and Kingsbury might be the biggest gap in the league, right? I mean, it's a massive gap in the league. But... Shannon does get into a position where he can outthink himself. I think that that's what we saw against the Rams. I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I don't care if Murray's back or he's not. I still think that in this spot, you have to take San Francisco. I know San Fran plays close games. They play defensive games. So you tend to play closer games. The points look a little alluring. I won't take it, but I'll probably stay off of the game. All right, guys, enjoy your week 11. Here we go. It's kind of the playoff push now. It's suddenly getting into that point of the season where you go, yep, yep, my team's a playoff team, or they're not. So enjoy the week. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 